0: You and I both believed as we entered the 21st century that we would further the rights of animals by showing that in the ways that matter most, humans and non-humans are identical.
1: That they too are entitled to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And that effort gets completely thrown under the table by critical race theory that doesn't just put animals at the bottom of the hierarchy. They don't even get in the hierarchy at all. They just simply do not matter. and welcome to This Week in Animal Protection. We're the Winograd's. I'm Nathan.
0: And I'm Jennifer. Today we're going to talk about the emergence of critical race theory in the humane movement and how it threatens to upend more than a century of progress in animal welfare and animal rights. Over the last couple of years, race and gender professors have called for the neglect, abuse, rape, and killing of animals. That is bad enough, but what makes it even worse is that some animal protection groups are promoting their books and modifying policies accordingly. In fact, before the emergence of CRT, neither of us would have ever imagined that in our 30-plus years fighting for the rights of animals, that we would be advocating against the normalization of bestiality, animal abuse, dogfighting, and other crimes, because it would have been inconceivable that professors and legal scholars would be making those arguments, and that shelter directors and those running animal protection groups would be taking them seriously. But they are being published, and they are finding fertile ground. If you want to skip ahead to that discussion, see the time signature in the attached article. Otherwise, we'll begin with the week's news. So Nathan, animal lovers in Utah have announced that they are planning to protest in front of the North Utah Valley Animal Shelter for its continued use of the gas chamber to kill animals.
1: Yes, you'll probably remember North Utah Valley Animal Shelter. We talked about them once before on this podcast where they killed a dog named Penguin who they described as very affectionate, who loves to be pet. And despite the fact that there were rescue groups ready, willing, and able to adopt him, they killed him anyways and killed him in one of the most excruciating ways possible by gassing him. This week, a local newspaper did an expose on North Utah Valley Animal Shelter about the number of cats they gas. If they hide in the corner of their cage on the very first day they come in, the cats are deemed to be unadoptable and they're gassed often the same day they come in
0: there's a lot of problems with that in addition to the the fact that when they deem those animals to be unadoptable they gas them that's just ridiculous because you have always encouraged shelters to not have a behavior category for cats why is that
1: well when i ran shelters and when i now consult with shelters i encourage them to eliminate the entire behavior category for cats for several reasons one Most of these cats that come in are scared. They don't have behavior problems and simply giving them either time to acclimate or getting them out of the shelter, say through foster or adoption eliminates the perceived quote unquote behavior. Number two, if they are not social with people, in the case of community cats or feral cats, the cats should be sterilized and returned to their habitats. And the third reason is that cats don't pose a public safety risk. So even if a cat truly had a behavior issue, say in the case of an overstimulation biter, as long as you are truthful with adopters, you can find homes for those cats. And again, when I ran shelters and with the shelters I consult with, they are finding homes for those cats with no follow-up problems.
0: Right. Some of them go to live in barns and some of them go to actually live with people. And you and I know we have had so many cats that started out as unsocialized that with time became just like every other cat in terms of a family pet.
1: Right. And- What makes it even worse than the killing of these animals is that they are killed using gas, and it is a process that can only be described as torture.
0: Another disturbing thing about this particular story is that we know, in fact, that the shelter is listed as best friends as one of their partner shelters. One of
1: their network partners and described as a caring shelter and a professional shelter. And clearly it is anything but.
0: Well, similarly, there's another story coming out also relating to the gas chamber. The Green River City Council in Wyoming was asked to vote on getting rid of the gas chamber to kill animals at its local pound. Nathan, what
1: happened? So back in May of last year, One of the city council members introduced an ordinance to ban the gas chamber in the local pound, and not a single other city council member seconded the motion, and the Bill died. Subsequent to that, there was a series of public protests by residents of the community, and so the issue was forced back onto the agenda. And in early January of this year, the mayor announced that he directed staff to come up with a plan to replace gas killing. Well, here we are nine months later and the group that initiated the protest asked the city council for an update on the progress of dismantling the gas chamber because they are still gassing animals nine months later. So the chief of police, who oversees the pound, offered essentially excuse after excuse as to why they were still gassing animals, indicated that they are, quote unquote, working towards removing the gas chamber, but refused to indicate how long it would take to finally get rid of it. But he did say that he took it personally, that residents were criticizing the quality of care at the shelter, given that they were gassing animals to death, saying that his staff who does gas these animals, treat them fairly And care about them, a claim, of course, no one really believes, including, I suspect, the chief of police.
0: So this story reminds me of something you had reported on many years ago, where there was a police officer that took over animal control for a small town in Texas. And the first thing that he did was just completely dismantle the gas chamber there. He declared that basically it wasn't enough that they were going to stop gassing animals, but he was also they were going to stop killing them as well. He didn't delay
1: in doing this. Right. You're talking about uh, Sergeant Carl Bailey, who took over the seat. Texas pound with no prior experience. In fact, when his boss, the chief of police who oversees the shelter, said to Sergeant Bailey, I'm going to put you in charge of the dog pound, Sergeant Bailey said to him, I don't know the first thing about running an animal shelter. And the chief said to him, Well, you love dogs, so. You're, you're, that's a
0: good place to start. That's a place
1: to start, <laughs> right. and on his first day, upon arriving at the shelter, he told his staff, we are no longer using the gas chamber, and he actually had it physically dismantled so that it could never be used again. And on that same day, he also announced that the killing of healthy and treatable animals was coming to an end, and they've been a no-kill community ever since. And here we have in Green River, Wyoming, where nine months later, the chief of police is still making excuse after excuse as to why they continue to gas animals in contrast to Seagoville, Texas that dismantled it on day one and hasn't looked back since
0: quite a contrast there. Absolutely. Okay, and some good news. A new California law is requiring multifamily housing developments that are financed by taxpayers to allow residents to have pets.
1: Yes, the governor signed the bill into law this week requiring that any housing built in the state using taxpayer funding or giving developers tax credits must allow residents to share their homes with pets. And while the new law does allow landlords to impose reasonable restrictions like The number of animals a resident can have. It does not allow landlords to ban breeds. It does not allow landlords to limit the weight of dogs, for example, which is often used kind of as a proxy for a breed ban. And it does not allow landlords to either charge a pet rent or to require an additional pet security deposit. So a very progressive law that should increase the amount of pet-friendly housing available in the state.
0: And the California Senate analysis that came out regarding this really hit the nail on the head in terms of what it meant for families seeking low-income housing to not be able to find a place where they could live with their animal. I just wanted to read a, a, a section of it because I think it's pretty exciting that this would come out from the state legislature. A lack of pet-friendly housing options has put some pet owners in a position of choosing between keeping their household pet or keeping a roof over their head. This puts emotional strain on families, disproportionately low-income households, and burdens county shelters. A lack of pet-friendly housing options is regularly cited as a reason that families relinquish their pets to local shelters. So it's nice to see the California government paying attention to this really important issue.
1: Correct. A win for families that include dogs, cats, and other animals, and a win for those animals who won't be in a position of potentially losing their homes. All
0: right. And as we do every week, we like to report on those communities that are reporting success in their local shelters by the implementation of the no-kill equation. This week, we want to celebrate Montrose County, Colorado.
1: Yeah, it reported a 99% placement rate for dogs, 90% for cats, and 96% for other small animals. And while that is very exciting and they're moving in the right direction, of course, they can do a lot better on the cat side. As we do every week, we report on communities who are placing 98%, 99%, and in some years, even 100% for dogs, and then for cats, and then for rabbits and other small animals. And so while Montrose County is certainly doing very well for dogs, it could improve both at 96% for those other small animals like rabbits and birds, and at 90%, the cat placement rate is low. Of course, we want to give credit where credit is due, and to the extent that they are doing a lot better than they used to do for cats. doing quite well for dogs. Right. It's a reason to celebrate because more of them are going out alive, but certainly they still have room for improvement.
0: So for more information about precisely what we're talking about, we will encourage people to visit the No-Kill Advocacy Center's toolkit and read our comprehensive guide called Defining No-Kill, which discusses these issues in detail. Okay, Nathan, and now in further news, we have some good news to report coming out of Israel, an announcement made by the company Future Meat Technologies.
1: Yes, the company has produced its first cultivated lamb. That is lamb that looks, cooks, and tastes like the real thing. It's cultured meat. It's made from a one-time draw of stem cells. The stem cells are then replicated in a laboratory and grown in an animal-free medium to produce real meat from animals without killing them.
0: All right, and according to company officials, the reason Future Meats Cultivated Lamb is indistinguishable from conventional lamb is because it is, first and foremost, real meat. It sizzles, sears, and tastes just like people expect, and it's amazing. Na- Nathan, as an American, and, and maybe the other, a lot of Americans listening might be wondering, why lamb?
1: Yeah, although Americans are not big lamb eaters, thankfully. Lamb is the primary meat source for several countries throughout the Middle East, Northern Africa, and parts of Asia. And in fact, Europe consumes the most lamb in the world. So this is definitely good news for baby sheep. Although Future Meat, the company that produced the lamb, indicated it is also preparing to offer it in the United States. And
0: just to point out that we know that there are American companies working on lab-grown versions of the kinds of meats that Americans do eat.
1: Right. And not just human Americans, but non-human Americans too, which takes us to our next story.
0: That's right. Bond Pet Foods announced that it will begin feeding trials of what they're calling nature-identical chicken meat protein in early 2023. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed this 10-minute sample of this week in animal protection. The entirety of this week's news and our main discussion are available only to subscribers. If you want to listen to this podcast and future episodes in their entirety, please subscribe at nathanwinograd.substack.com.